0: The Truth Be Told Podcast. I am Marta Brummel, and by trade and training, I am a certified life coach with a psychology degree from the University of Notre Dame and a master's in clinical social work from the University of Michigan. I'm the mother of four children. I'm married to Craig Brummel, my favorite human, and I am the CEO of a private life coaching practice for young adults and parents. So the whole idea behind this podcast and these conversations is to learn how to navigate this human journey from the inside out by building a life skill set that allows each one of us to engage with this grand life adventure from a place of health, wellness, and confidence and to create something beautiful by weaving in meaning and purpose along the way. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to or welcome back to the Truth Be Told podcast. I am so glad that you are here. It's exciting to just see the evolution of the podcast and the conversations that are being had. I'm loving the, the people with whom I am speaking and also the insights that I'm getting from so many the feedback on uh, the episodes and just in general the continued evolution of these conversations they're rich and vulnerable and thought-provoking and really it comes down to this humaning thing right how to human we are all on this journey together and i think the more that we create these open dialogues and conversations i think the better we help one another and walk this path. And so today I have lovely Mara Timini joining us. She is a young woman who is going to share her story along the lines of how she's grown and navigated this being human thing and coming more from a people pleaser or people pleasing place since she was a little girl, to more shifting her MO to one who's speaking from truth and authenticity and strength and a sense of living more authentically. And what she has found, and I think Mara will share with you, is that by doing so, she's elevated her relationship with her loved ones, with those that she and with whom she comes into contact, but also most especially with herself. And I think that's really what we're all going for. So tie knot, hang on, enjoy this conversation, and I will see you guys on the inside. Welcome to episode number 33, A Young Woman's Journey to Herself. So my special guest today is Dear Mara. She is a client of mine with whom I have had the pleasure, the true pleasure of working for the last two years. And... Today's episode we really wanted to focus on her journey which has really been about i think relationship with self which has of course also colored her relationship with others and i think helped her kind of come back to to her right to meet herself in a very different way than maybe she was and from where she was operating before we started working together. She was primed, she was ready for this. She was so capable of the work at hand and it has evolved over the last few years. And so Mara was willing to kind of come on here today and share her story, her narrative um, in a way that I think will also be really beneficial for those of you listening in the process of answering that question, who am I? which is so much about a young adult's path at this point. And ideally when we're answering that question, it brings us closer to ourselves, not further, but that requires intentionality. It requires consciousness. It requires listening. It requires curiosity. And I think a re-examining on so many levels of what you've believed or thought to be true and authentic and kind of just questioning all of it and then putting it back together. So with that, I'm going to have Mara tell you a little bit about herself and whatever you'd like to share, Mara, and then also, um, you know, we can kind of just kick it off and take it from here.
1: Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Um, We Yeah, when we started working together two years ago, I remember I had just moved to Colorado by way of Philadelphia, and... um, Kind of moved just to live with my friends, and so I was beginning the job search, um, and I think that is where a lot of um, my work really surfaced, and it was like a direct mirror for myself on um, kind of what I really wanted to work on in order to kind of experience the life I wanted to experience. Um, I know back then it was it was kind of this feeling of of like being frantic and and chasing and like on this fast treadmill. Um, and I couldn't, and through that, I was experiencing a lot of anxiety, but I couldn't pinpoint it at the time. So I think that was kind of the beginning of, of realizing, one, it didn't have to be that way. And then two, um, kind of starting to pinpoint where all of that was coming from, feeling frantic and feeling a lot of anxiety. And I think um, we really landed on the, the people-pleasing. And um, that was that was really big. And, and I remember when we first started And that concept was introduced to me. I'd heard of that before and all my life I'd kind of heard um, that people-pleasing wasn't necessarily bad or perhaps it was a good thing. So I was quite pleased to be called a people-pleaser. And I think our work kind of opened my eyes to realize that's not always good. And and for me, people-pleasing was a way to kind of create my identity outside of myself. And it was not rooted in who I was. And um, that really opened the door for me to understand where all of my anxiety and um, kind of franticness and that kind of relationship with myself and the world around me started. So that, that's where I started. And it's it's um, that's what we've been working on.
0: Yeah, and I think understanding people pleasing on a deep level, which is typically often we, we're, you know, our, our caretakers, our caregivers, our parents who we love dearly and um, who are doing the best they can. Right. I mean, it's true for all of us. And now here I am as a mom myself, I can tell you, we do the very best we can, but we often uh, convey or give off messages or just where we are and who we are and from where we're coming that our children pick up and then they make it mean, whatever they're making it mean. Right. And often we interpret things in a way that says, how do I keep myself safe? How do I keep myself emotionally safe? How do I keep myself in a place where I'm, you know, cruising along mom and dad are happy with me. Um, I'm getting my needs met and everyone else is kind of, we're good. And whatever that looks like, I kind of keep the, the, um, the peace. And so people pleasing comes from this place of believing that by pleasing your parents, that's the best way to feel loved. And then to create the peace within the family, right? Because the parents are happy. And if you're a do-gooder and you do all the right things, it's really nice to just kind of cruise along. Everyone is happy and everyone thinks, Hey, this is really beautiful. Um, what is interesting though, is as an adult, we typically try to kind of fit in versus find our fit, like find who we are within wherever we want to belong. So it's this continuation of trying to fit into something or contort ourselves to something where we know we're, we're good in everyone's eyes. The people pleasing habit though, it just doesn't disappear all of a sudden, right? It stays with us. It's so powerful. It's so strong. And I think it gets ingrained in our minds. Uh, And I think that, you know, if the people around you like you, then you can like you, right? And then you live by this rule without even realizing it. So understanding like the best feeling is getting approval initially from our parents and then from the outside world, right? And you use this kind of as your guide versus what is best for you. So the problem with people pleasing is that you're never really free. You never can free yourself from that, that hustle, right? And that that desire for happiness, it's so elusive. You're like, where is it? How? What am I missing? I'm doing all the right things. I'm checking all the boxes. So, you know, but if Being liked and being safe and being okay is your top priority. That's where you can lose your way. And I think you really unveiled that for yourself um, because you recognized it. That was the first step I think for you. And then not judging it or thinking something had gone wrong or even blaming. There's no blame that really had to happen for you um, as much as it was more an understanding And then I think it allowed you to kind of step into this from a place of how do I now practice being my authentic self and saying no and questioning and maybe not always following the rules and maybe always not doing exactly what was expected or has been expected of me all of these years. I'm gonna start maybe, you know operating from a different script. And something that feels more true. But I still have to figure out what that true is. And so I'll stop there. But I think that's really the process that you have undergone with this, you know, this people pleasing, but also this journey back to you. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Yeah. You can kind of take that wherever you want.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely remember. I mean, the saying no process was, was really big for me um, and learning how to do that. And that's, I, I work on every single day. And I remember at the beginning, it was like a, a like visceral body reaction for mm-hmm. me to say no to something, which in the past, I knew that, you know, so-and-so had expected me to do X, Y, and Z. And saying no to that and being true to myself and what I knew was good for myself was, um, yeah, it was a, a bodily response. I would feel like bodily symptoms from that. Um, And
0: which is another
1: thing we talked a lot
0: about is feeling our feelings, especially the Mm -hmm. uncomfortable ones.
1: Exactly. Holding and creating
0: space for those. So go ahead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly now. I still, it's not my favorite activity to say things, say no to things, but I think from our work and me being able to understand my feelings and kind of relate to them in a completely different way. I can now recognize that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a certain way, and it's it, this will pass. And I often know that it's stemming from, I might be saying no to an opportunity, or kind of choosing a different path for myself that mm-hmm. in the past, I would have known, or would have believed that other people expected something else of me. Um, mm-hmm. But now I can relate to those feelings more and kind of understand why I am feeling a certain way and just kind of move through it rather than avoid or have it pop up as some bodily symptom.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, it's, you've assimilated this process of pausing, I think, and Mm -hmm. reflecting before acting before reacting. Mm -hmm. It's much more of a response, I think for you. Whereas before I think you were in reaction mode and in pleasing mode, and that was just Mm -hmm. what you were conditioned with. And I think you've now lifted that you know, that veil again and said, okay, where do I stand here? How do I feel about this? What am I thinking? What, what feels true for me, even if it's different than someone else and someone I love, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, that's really difficult because you don't want to quote disappoint someone. But I think we've talked about this. People can be disappointed in us, right? Mm -hmm. And we can be okay with that because we recognize people's disappointment is about them, not about us. And yet we make it about us. And so then we lose, you know, kind of our way trying to make sure we're okay in someone's eyes when really we can allow them to be disappointed. And then we hold space for their disappointment and that fear that we have of, oh my gosh, I'm not seen in such, you know, rose through rose colored glasses here and it's okay. And Mm -hmm. I am safe and I am still whole and loved and, and good enough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I Yeah, I distinctly remember kind of turning the corner and when I used to really believe that everyone else's actions and emotions, especially those closest to me that knew me best and I knew them well, I remember when I learned that their reactions and their emotions were not my responsibility. Um, And it was kind of twofold. Like I wasn't responsible for them, but I also wasn't causing them because I think at the time I believed if I acted a certain way and was so good and nice and polite that, um, then other people would, you know, benefit from, from that. But at the core of that, it was me kind of suppressing myself or kind of, um, veering from what I knew to be true. So I think that was a huge corner for me to turn.
0: Yeah. And I think what happens is you become less fearful of trying to, or believing you have to control other people. Mm in order to be okay or for them to be okay as much as you learn to trust yourself mm-hmm. to navigate whatever comes up whatever feeling comes up right and i think this is self trust that it, i think is another really big cornerstone for you is you've really grown into that and mm-hmm. that was not something at play or that you you know were able and willing to trust yourself uh, in a way that I see so beautifully in you now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I and- think I just kind of experienced like the, a huge kind of that in practice for me and trusting myself with last week, I just kind of the past few months started my job search again, mm-hmm. and I got a job offer last week. And that used to kind of be a really, you know, dramatic experience for me, the whole job search process, because so much of it was tied up in my own worth. Um, But that was kind of, it felt way more free last week to be receiving a new opportunity. And um, I ended up taking it, but it was so much less dramatic than it had been in the past. And it, I had two great opportunities and it, it didn't feel restricting in the way that it used to. And Um, I was able to see it for what it was, was two opportunities and one that I could choose that would be the best for myself. So that was extremely free. And I think that from our, you know, a few years ago, it might've been a different experience for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that's a funny, I mean, that brings up the whole drama, right? We always Mm talked about drama and how we kind of create our own drama. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes we get really good at living in drama because it's so familiar. We don't know any other way. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think you have really shed that need for drama and you've simplified things, but in a way that's very um, clarifying and coming from an authentic place. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's kind of your process?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think still, you know, last week during the job offer and accepting process, it was still an active kind of thing for me to, to kind of put in the tools and kind of realize if I was feeling anxious or if I was kind of um, leaning towards not trusting myself, I could really recognize that that was coming up for me and I could just see it for what it was and be able to move past it rather than kind of dwelling in it and making it multiply by focusing so much on that.
0: Well, and the other thing I think that you have um, been more at peace with is starting new things and not knowing what you're doing Mm -hmm. and actually allowing for that fear And that Mm -hmm. sense of, I like to know what I'm doing and I like to be very good at what I'm doing and I have no idea what I'm doing, but I trust that I'm going to figure this out and I have a good enough Mm -hmm. brain to know I will do that. But also to allow for the process to unfold instead of believing it has to be a certain way in order for it to be worthy and okay and good, Um, but also opening doors to opportunities that you might not have before because you were fearful Mm -hmm. of the unknown.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I used to always seek out new opportunities, but then I would land in them and it would just be like a fish out of water and it, it, I was excited for them, but then it would become a lot more kind of dramatic and a lot of things would bubble up. And so now I still seek out those things, but it's extremely, it's just way more joyful and kind of enjoyable for me, um, to be able to kind of soak it all in.
0: Yeah, and this actually brings up a recollection for me with you and a job that you were and boundary setting with people Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. difficult that was for you, even to just see when it was appropriate, when it was necessary, and then implementing it. You just thought, no, no, I'll just be the yes person. I'll just do all the Mm -hmm. things and I'm capable. And they're going to, they just kept piling on and you kept yep. taking and taking, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I kept saying, Mara, where's your line? Like, what mm-hmm. is, where, where are you able to step in and say, what's okay with me and what's not? And mm-hmm. be okay with the reaction, um, yep. but, and also kind of showing them how to treat you and to mm-hmm. value you. Um, but once, if we don't show people that, then they don't know any other way. They're going to keep asking and they're going to keep piling on. Mm-hmm. And I often say to people, instead of, you know, when resentment comes up, it's a really good sign that you're not being true. And mm-hmm. you're angry at someone else for something they don't even know they're probably even doing. You got to let them know it's not okay. And it's, it's a no. Mm-hmm. And that I think you've really come into as well. So you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I, I do remember that job very clearly. <laughs> <It helped laughs> so de- it, but anyway, yeah. yeah, right. I definitely had a line and I didn't even know where my line was. I, I had felt that it was I had truly just blown past it, you know, way, way miles past it. But um, and I felt that resentment and it was just at that time so tumultuous for me. But and I think it was because I just didn't have that great sense of self and trusted myself. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of I was floating in this peripheral kind of area instead of being kind of grounded and true to myself. So I think I learned so much from from that experience and kind of what can happen when I don't set boundaries and how it, it's really sometimes having those tough conversations are, it might be scary for me, or I might, you know, try to avoid it out of fear. But I experienced what it felt like to really kind of push that off out of fear. And I think that was a great lesson for me and kind of the importance of boundary setting. And then um, it pushed me to set boundaries in in my new place and also just in other parts of my life. And then that's how I realized that that really creates much truer and stronger relationships Mm -hmm. um, because I was coming from, such a strong sense of self once I started to implement and learn how to set boundaries.
0: Yeah. And I think it's actually a beautiful segue as I'm listening to you. And we haven't, you know, again, we were flying by the seat of our pants on this in terms of, we didn't really discuss um, how this was going to unfold, which I think is always the magic of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think about where you are and in uh, the relationship that you are, this special relationship with this with this human, uh, that, you know, uh, you can name or not, uh, but that this relationship, what I've seen in you and how you've navigated it, first of all, even being open to it. And then secondly, mm-hmm. engaging in it, and then also navigating it from this place of self-awareness, this place of grounding, this place of, you know, setting boundaries, this place of being open and able and more, um, willing to express your feelings and to be comfortable in that uncomfortable for you because it's vulnerable. And there's so many beautiful things that I've seen in you. And as I always say, you know, you never know the lifespan or the life cycle of any kind of relationship, but relationships are our greatest teachers. And when we're coming from this place of more grounding, I think, first of all, we give off a vibe and we attract people who are more of that similar kind of wavelength to us, number one. And then number two, I think the capacity for both individuals and this particular individual, I think, also has a great capacity as well.
1: And so Mm -hmm. the two of
0: you have really come together in a way where I just I marvel and think mm-hmm. how beautiful, right? And the, the highs and the lows and the in betweens and the families and the, all the things that you're bringing into this to kind of figure, you know, figure it out and also share you with one mm-hmm. another, share both of yourselves. Um, which, of course, we know families can be. I mean, we bring a lot. <laughs> so,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so how would you want to, or would you want to even touch on that?
1: Yeah, and I I love it because when Teddy and I first met, it was before we started working together. And it was kind of in the midst of when I was living in Philadelphia, you know, having a great time, but I was having this anxiety pop up. And, you know, now I know it's because I was truly out out of touch with myself and my feelings and kind of my wants and desires for my life. And um, the The other bookmark end of it is we reconnected, you know, after we had started, you and I had started working together, and I had been kind of um, going through this work. And it's just, it's so fun to reflect on how different our relationship is and how it's grown. And we started our relationship about a, a year ago, I guess. And it was just from such a more grounded space. And, you know, we both you know, recognize that we needed to respect ourselves and respect each other, and we would just kind of grow together. And I know that, gosh, two years ago, when we first met, it, it was not, you know, was, I was way more confused about what I was feeling, and I was way, way <laughs> so not open to being vulnerable. Um, and so now kind of going through this work and being open to the vulnerability has just, you know, opened up this relationship for us that is, is so life-giving. Mm -hmm.
0: And you're able to go to such a deeper level because of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But that, again, is vulnerable. And so the Mm -hmm. more grounded you are, the more capable you are of going there and then holding space for each other. And that's the Mm -hmm. other thing I see in the two of you is this sense of being able to hold space for where the other is and allowing that other to flourish in that their own right, doing it together, kind of partnering and kind of sharing the road, but not not believing that that person is your ticket to happiness or vice versa, as much as the joy, the the goodness, the the life-giving component of this is something where it's so um, it's chock full of meaning and it's um, it's helping you get to know yourselves and one another on a very deep level. Um, And it's a connection that's really powerful um, Mm -hmm. because you're able to meet each other. And allow for each other to be where you are, and then also share the road. So it's kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, dear Mara. So uh, we could keep going. And again, I I love this conversation because I know we can continue it another day, and we can do another episode along the way as well. Um, but how would you like to kind of bring this full circle in terms of what would you want to share with our listeners about maybe things that really helped solidify some of the things that we've been talking about today, but helped you actually implement and assimilate those into your day-to-day, like practices, things that are mantras. I don't know. You You share what that mm-hmm. would be and what it is for
1: you. Yeah. I think one thing, especially in the beginning that was super help for, helpful for me was the journaling and that external processing mm-hmm. um, and being able to kind of get it out of my mind and um, just as it was bouncing around and kind of get it stagnant on, on paper and being able to see in words what I was thinking. And I think that really helped because then I was able to kind of um, understand where I was at and be able to kind of separate myself from all of these thoughts I felt thought was true and kind of choose what I wanted to be true. So I think that was really big, especially in the beginning of the work when I was just being opened up to it, um, the journaling and then, I think another thing is the mantra that, that you have is the it's all good. That has been (laughs) so helpful. Uh, It's all good. Yeah, And I think just truly embracing that um, and kind of applying it to all the different areas of my life when I can, and especially when it does not feel all good to Mm -hmm. kind of try on the thought that maybe it is all good. And I think that, um, has been a huge help for me in, in my journey. I think, yeah, I think the the biggest, um, you know, when we
0: say it's all good, it's like, nothing's gone wrong here. I mean, we feel like it's a shitstorm. storm. We feel like everything's blowing up, mm-hmm. right. Or something's going wrong, but really bringing it back to center and saying, okay, now what, what's my next step instead of believing or thinking this is not okay. This is bad. Something's gone wrong. It's like, it's all good. All right, let's go. Mm -hmm. What's next. How do we engage with this? How do we move forward and how do I take care of myself in this process? Right. And, and show up for me. So that also my sense is with the journaling, you also, I remember do, you started doing more mindfulness, more breath work, kind of just the awareness of embodiment, getting more into your body versus always being in your head. Um, Mm -hmm. And that allowed for the reflection and the pause and the, and then the ability to shift gears in a way that was serving you versus always going in reactive mode. I just remember that was kind of big for you as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And my my daily walks. I take walks every single day. Mm-hmm. And that has been something that completely grounds me. And I think it helps me with my movement and kind of all the the jitters or things kind of physically get that out so that I can have a clearer mind to to kind of figure out and relate to what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking Mm -hmm. and just the, the act of getting outdoors and and not being inside and, you know, having the natural light that that is great too. Yeah. So I
0: guess a final question for you would be, what would you say to those listening um, in terms of what coaching has brought for you? And um, is it something that you, I mean, now looking back, it's been two years, we've worked together. Um, We now barely, I mean, we, we connect, but you're in such a different space. And so it's kind of a touch point maybe for you or a touchstone. I don't know um, where we can kind of keep coming back, but it's so much more about you've got your wings and you're um, you're really doing beautifully. Do you see though, that the relationship for coaching has kind of continued, but it's just evolved
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think coaching for me has been everything and has kind of really painted and, and kind of guided how I've moved through the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it has really helped me dissect and also create the life that I have now, which is 100% different than what I envisioned for myself two years ago. And it's it's just so great. Mm-hmm. So I think that has been the coaching has been huge for me. And I think in the beginning it was kind of leaning into it. I wasn't really sure what, what coaching was and how that was different than like traditional therapy that I had tried in the past. And so I think just leaning into it and, and kind of, um, following the the process that, you know, that we worked through, I think that was huge for me it was just totally leaning in and, and following through and showing up.
0: Yeah. Well, you had the yeah the capacity. I think the therapy uh, really helped you um, be mm-hmm. able to go to this deeper level um, and kind of assimilate yeah. and implement. And I often find that to be true for for my clients is that you know some are in therapy currently, others have been in it, and those that have, I always enjoy working with them, um, because there is a a self-awareness and there is Mm -hmm. a capacity that is maybe a little different than, than others. But again, I think we all meet, you know, and we all kind of get to this place wherever we are in our lives. Sometimes it happens sooner. Sometimes it's not, but you have to be ready for it. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, yet also fearful and scared and, not really sure what it's all about and yet willing to kind of step into it. And uh, I think it's it's life-changing work. So mm-hmm. um it is an absolute delight to work with you and to know you, Mara. Um and I look forward to kind of just you know witnessing your your path forward um and uh grateful for you. So Thank you for sharing some of your story with us and um, you are a light and a love and I look forward to to being in touch and to all my listeners out there, journey back to self, answering that question, who am I, you know, just kind of stepping up and stepping into the journey. It's so worthwhile and it is one where I think it always helps to have some, some guidance and some, you know, that touch point, that touchstone someone to walk with you and I, um, this work I adore and I adore my clients. So thank you. And um, we'll see you guys next week and uh, lots of love. Take care. Having a life coach can sweeten the often messy and hard and awesome journey of being human. Do you have a life coach? And if not, I would be so privileged to be your coach. I have a private coaching practice for individuals and families where we work on getting to the heart of your struggles and paving a path forward that helps you create a life that you truly love. When you're prepared to take what you're learning on this podcast and implement the tools and techniques so that you experience profound and lasting results, then contact me at martabrummel.com and we can hit the ground running. I truly cannot wait to work with you.